From the birthplace of modern recovery, Akron, Ohio, welcome to Rock and Recovery. Recovery Talks, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories and amplifying the voices of those on the front lines in the recovery movement. Our commitment to you to always deliver straight up sober talk with the sincere promise of a safe, stigma and judgment free zone. Recovery Talks right now. Everybody, welcome again to another edition of Recovery Talks, the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lee Shannon, and I'm here today with Karen French. Hi, Karen. How are you doing? Hello, Mark. Good. How are you? I'm good. I just want to tell all our listeners that we're starting with a Zoom meeting. So, um, you know, please forgive any of the crazy, crazy stuff that we hear on Zoom. But I think all of us are getting used to that now. Isn't it? I mean, nobody's expecting everything to be perfect anymore. If my dog barks, you know what I mean? If the UPS guy comes, it's okay. It's okay, right? It's real. Landscapers, you know, whatever. Right. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And I'm really, really happy to hear. Let me tell you a little bit about Karen. Karen is a former corporate warrior, right, Uh, who turned yoga teacher, instructor. And we're going to hear about that. That's pretty cool. Uh, You're a music lover, and that's how we met. And uh, so you're coming up on also five years sober. Five years is a big, big watermark. Um, I've read a number of times because I'm also that 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 long sober. I've read that the chances of relapse after five years are almost one in seven, which is really pretty good. Speaking from me, who was the rodeo clown of relapse, <laughs> I couldn't seem to figure it out. And so having five years is, is super, super, super cool. So tell me what's going on today. I mean, how are, how are you doing in today's world with the COVID-19? Just to kind of throw that, get us started with that. I am taking advantage of this opportunity. I'm looking at it as an opportunity to really do some deep soul work on myself, you know? Um, A friend of mine said this is the universe telling us to press pause and figure it out, right? This is awesome. It feels like that. It feels that way to me. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. So let's kick it off. Tell me about the Karen that was the Karen before the Karen got soaked. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny. And I was trying to think, I know I want to make this quick, but I was the type of person I drank for 35 years, you know, and uh, how do I sum up 35 years of drinking in, you know, five minutes or less. And basically for me, it was a lot, a lot of fun until it wasn't. It was, I was a very social drinker until I wasn't. And I really didn't have a whole lot of consequences or trouble until I did. Right. Was there um, a moment where you can look back and go, this is what I ask everybody, right? Because we all talk about that moment where you, for me, it was St. Thomas Hospital, right? Where not knowing how to put on the hospital gown. Is this the front or the back? Excuse me. Thank God there were trousers, right? right? Yeah, yes. yes. Was, there, was there a moment for you that you think about? I mean, because a lot of times it's a lot of moments for us. It's, it's this happened and this happened. And just for me, it's a lot about I, the way I was around my kids, you know, mm-hmm. that I can't ever take back that, you know, fortunately, hopefully I've made amends. But tell me about the moment where you, you're thinking about right now. That is the moment where you think, man, that was a that was a moment of clarity. I had several, um, but when when things started getting really bad, I mean, I started suffering some serious legal consequences. Uh, I had two DUIs. The second DUI I got was three years before I decided to get sober. By the way, but you know, that time I got to spend three days in a jail cell, and I realized that <laughs> maybe I didn't have the best relationship with alcohol anymore. You know, I wasn't the funny 
um, good time party girl Karen that made everybody laugh and like was super easy to get along with anymore. My drinking had become sad and depressing. And I realized at that moment that something had to change, but it wasn't that I needed to quit drinking. It was that I needed to change the way that I was drinking. Right. So did um, you did yeah. you also feel like, you know, if you if you just didn't drink that booze or if you didn't drink on on Tuesdays or you know what, I won't drink Friday nights. I'll just drink Saturday or I'll just drink that light liquor because that dark liquor make me crazy. What was it for you? <laughs> so many times. I mean, I had so many rules around my drinking and it was, you know, OK, I'm not going to drink Jack Daniels anymore because that's get that gets me in trouble. And all right, I'm going to switch to vodka and I'm not going to drink mixed drinks anymore because I drink too many of those. So I'm just going to drink straight vodka. That was that was a good one for a while, too. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it burns clean. It burns clean. Yeah. That's what I used yeah. to say. You know, it burns cleaner. <laughs> and that first one might be a little slower than normal. But once once I had that first one, man, it was a game on, you know, right. and then it was just beer. Right. No more shots, just beer. And then I realized that I didn't even like wine, but it was so acceptable so socially acceptable to drink wine everybody was drinking wine and in the corporate world you know i mean come on networking events i mean you had to have a glass of wine and uh, or six that's really tough when we talk about you know uh the social environment around work because you know there is a lot of pressure uh i worked for a japanese company for a long time so drinking time was considered social time it was considered a very high point of the day where actually people if we had guests in from Japan, they'd say, Marquise-san, uh, drinking time, drinking time. And it was looked at like, oh, finally, we can relax with each other and we can be together, happy times. I mean, that's really a tough, tough thing people who are in recovery have to deal with when they when they start trying to, you know, get sober. Absolutely. And, you know, it for me, when I got sober, that was the first question I had was, how am I going to do my job? and stay sober. I had no idea how I could do that. It was impossible for me at that moment. Luckily, I had people that were able to talk me down and straighten me out and tell me the right things to do. Let's come back around to that real quickly and let's get to the point where you saw, and I like to call it this, I kind of like that, circling down the drain moment or that circling down the drain event where you're looking at your life and you're going, I can't do this. I can't do this. I think all of us have maybe one, maybe more, but for me, there's a couple that really stick out like, okay, I'm seeing everything circling down the drain here. Everything's going down. So tell me about yours. Well, the good thing was I just, I started, I discovered yoga in, I got sober in 2015, but I discovered yoga in 2011. And I started working with that and I started realizing it became a spiritual practice for me. And I started to realize some things about myself uh, on my mat because it was like when you move your body a certain way, there's they call they say the issues live in our tissues and stuff was coming up for me on my yoga mat. And I was curious about it. So I started questioning myself and I started thinking about, you know, could there be a better way of life? Because right now I'm miserable. And I I got to the point where I could not look at myself in the mirror. I hated my guts. I hated my own guts and I couldn't stand it anymore. And I kept making promises after promise after promise to myself and I kept breaking them. Um, anyway, my yoga teacher was also a therapist. And so I went to her and I said, um, can, can, we, can we set up a meeting? 
I would like to talk to you about some work stuff, some work stuff, right? And really, I thought at the moment, that's what I really wanted to talk to her about. So I started having a conversation with her and uh, originally about work stuff. But then I started talking about this drinking thing and my relationship with alcohol. And I started getting really honest about it for the first time in my life. And she then informed me she was an addiction counselor. Lucky me. And, uh, you know, she said, Karen, I'm listening to you and I'm not saying that you're an alcoholic, but most people that don't have a problem with drinking don't spend this much time talking about drinking or how to figure it out or how to. So she asked me if I had ever considered going to a 12 step meeting. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. That meant I, if I go to a 12 step meeting for me, I, I'm not drinking anymore. Right. That to me was like, I wasn't going to go and try it out. Right. You know? we've all, and we've all seen that James Woods movie, you know, right? That was on in the 70s, where it was like the story of, of the guys that founded that that movement. And I, I can just remember thinking, that's not, that's not me. I, I won't, that's not for me. I, that Those guys don't have anything for me. So I told her I would try, I would think about it. But I had vacation trips planned. I had a birthday coming up. I had all these things that there was no way that I could possibly consider drink, quit drinking now. Um, but through that, the course of you know many conversations about that, I caught myself one night after a corporate event, one or two many glasses of wine in my car driving again. Wasn't hammered, but I was definitely under the influence. Like if I and I thought to myself, I had this moment of clarity, realizing what I was doing, and if I were to get pulled over in that moment, my life was over. I was about to lose everything that I cared about, and I said, "What are you doing?" And I got, I got goosebumps right now just thinking about me in the car, again, driving. And there were, there were many times before that, too, by the way, that I had driven when I shouldn't have. But this time was different. And then after that, I'll tell you the one, the moment, the moment that I, I made the decision to change was it, was, it was shortly after my birthday, which is in June. And I wasn't home for my birthday, but the weekend of my sister's like, I would like to take you out to dinner. So we met for dinner. And it wasn't just her, but she surprised me with a bunch of my friends. <laughs> and I was like, okay. It was a very nice surprise, but I was like, what's going on? And nobody was drinking. I mean, they were having like one drink. And it was like super casual. I mean, we were there for dinner. We weren't there to drink. And it felt very weird to me. And it was almost like, I think it was an intervention, but without anybody actually saying anything, they were just kind of like, we're here for you. And I will tell you that I felt such love from those people that night. And I had one that for the first time in a really long time, I was able to have one drink and stop. Not that I didn't want more, but I'm like, tonight's not gonna be, I'm not gonna do that because I feel, I'm feeling this way right now. And I like this feeling, this feeling of love instead of self-hatred. And I wanna hang on to that for a little while. And again, I think that's, you know, God or my higher power doing for me what I couldn't do for myself at that point. Anyway, I got home, I went to bed. I woke up the next morning, Sunday morning without a hangover feeling great, still feeling that love, got up, texted my sister and said, by the way, thank you for last night. That was wonderful. And she said to me, I hope you realize by the people that were there, how much you're loved. And I lost it. And at this point, I had a regular meditation practice, believe it or not. And um, I sat down to meditate. And in meditation, they say it's, it helps if you have a mantra which is basically you say the same thing over and over again just to keep you focused on something. So my mantra that morning was, I am loved. I am loved and I kept repeating it to myself. 
And it eventually changed itself to, I am love. I am love. And I started bawling, bawling my eyes out. And then I heard this small, still voice that said, are you ready? And I said, yeah. And I cried and I cried and I cried. And I got up off the floor and I found a 12-step meeting and I went to that 12-step meeting that night. Oh, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing. It really was. Yeah. It really was. It brings tears to my eyes when I talk about it because I believe that was a spiritual experience for me that it was just, <laughs> and the fact that I had hated myself for so long and it wasn't self-hate that brought me into, into to get help. It wasn't, it wasn't hatred that made me ask for help. It was love. You know, it's so common. Finally, like I deserved better than that. So common for people that aren't involved in this uh, a program of recovery to think, you know, that people like us, you know, have got a character defect, right? That we, you know, we're less than. And I think that we buy into that too. I know for a long time when I couldn't get it, when I couldn't get it, I kept thinking, you know, that I was just a really terrible person because I was causing all this damage in my life. I was causing all this damage in my career. Uh, with my family, to my body, to my music, to everything. And I just, I would say to myself, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I just kept thinking, well, it's me. I'm just a bad person. I'm just a really poor quality person that doesn't really deserve this. And it took for me to go into um, a treatment facility to understand that I had a medical problem I needed to solve. First and foremost, I couldn't fix anything until I went into a period of extended abstinence. And trying to explain that to people that don't get addiction, the neuroscience of addiction, what's happening with your midbrain and how it takes over uh, is, is really sometimes very frustrating. But I think that, you know, those of us that, that do get it understand that, you know, it takes an intervention of some sort that maybe oftentimes almost always <laughs> bigger than ourselves. We quit saying I, me, my, and then we can find a group of people where we can, who can share it with us, where we say we, you know, and I think I remember one of the things, one of the first things I remember about going into a 12 step program was that somebody said to me, you know, and just hang around because we'll love you. We will love you until you can love yourself again. And that was very powerful to me because I did not love myself. I didn't like anything about myself and I certainly didn't think I was worthy of anything. So. That's the spiritual moment. Wow. Yeah. So that was the change. So tell yeah. me about so tell me about the first few miles. I mean, for you, I don't know what it was like, but for me, the first year was there was a lot of change going on. And now they always tell you, don't do this and don't do this, don't do this and don't do this. I did all of those things. All of those yeah. things. I quit my job. I had to sell a house. I was trying to, and, and it was just unfortunately life saying, you got to do this for basic economics of, of not having a gig and also having to, I had two houses at the time. I had to try and make something happen to small up my life. So tell me about your first few miles. Wow. Well, I was so ready and willing by the time I decided to, I made the decision to give up alcohol that I was listening to whatever people told me. And the first thing I did said, did say going back to um, the work thing was how am I going to do this job? I can't do this job and be sober. So I'm going to quit this job. I remember telling this out, saying this out loud, I'm going to quit this job. And at the time I was a business owner, I owned my own business. I said, I was a partner, but I was like, I'm just going to walk away from it all. They can have it. It's not worth it. And they were like, you're going to do what? No, (laughs) you are not. You're going to sit your butt in a chair and you're going to listen to me because I know what you need to do. And I listened to the people that knew better. 
thank God. Because at the end of that first year, the situation with my business and my job opened up for me for the, the best possible outcome for myself. I got sober, I started setting boundaries, which I had no idea what that was. And the funny part was my business partner never had an issue with me until I started setting boundaries. Right. Well, until I got change. sober. People change because I was the type of person that was like, yeah, give it all, give it all to me because I'm unworthy, I'm not worthy. And I'm here, I'm kind of here, like it's, it's a charade because I'm not really worthy to be a business owner. It's all an act. <laughs> and you're gonna figure that out about me. So just give me all the work, give me all the crap and I will take it all to prove to you. When did yeah. the turn start for you to leave that gig and start moving to where you are now? I mean, if we're moving into what your daily life is like now, I mean, obviously, um, you know, you're, you're doing, um, well, tell, tell our listeners what you do right now. So right now, um, I have not gotten back into the corporate environment, which was my background for, you know, 30 years. I haven't done that yet. Luckily, I worked out an arrangement that has allowed me for the last three and a half years to basically be on this, this course of discovery to figure out what it is I really want and what I want to do. Yoga is a big part of that. Two days after I left my corporate job, I jumped on a plane to California and was fortunate enough to do a yoga meditation and recovery retreat for five days. And I was around people that were sober and happy and thriving. I was like, what is going on here? Those are the people that I, that's who I wanna be. That's who I wanna be with. I started considering becoming a yoga teacher. One of the teachers at that retreat was Nikki Myers who is the founder of this program called Y12SR, which is the yoga of 12-step recovery. She has an amazing story. She has an amazing program. I said, these two things, yoga and recovery together, holy cow, that's what I want. So I started to pursue that. How could our listeners find you to, 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 to do this? I actually um, just did my first, you know, it was different. Of course, then I just started teaching classes and then Corona hit, right? So now I just did my first virtual class the other night and um, the participants were like, yeah, let's do more of this. So I'm going to be doing that. But I have an email address that people can reach me at Karen, K-A-R-I-N-Y-12-S-R at gmail.com. For that, I mean, I love, that is, for me, it is a way to share my love of yoga and recovery and to maybe help people. I know how much yoga helped me in my recovery path, and I think it can help a lot of people. So that's the way that I, one of the ways that I am able to give back. It's donation-based. If you don't have money to do yoga, you don't need the money to do yoga. Come to the class and see that's what it's like. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 just amazing to me how once we start off on our sobriety journey, if we are able to be aware of where we're supposed to be going and we follow the river and float with the river, you know, what what happens to us um, and this whole um, COVID-19 thing has changed everything for us. I remember um, it was, gosh, just a few months ago, maybe even um, 
right after the beginning of the new year that I took one of your classes and totally dug it. And I thought to myself, this is great. This is what I want to do. I want to talk. I want to be around people that are in my tribe. I want to do yoga because I'm not very good at it. I don't have my skills yet. And I also felt very comfortable in your class with, you know, all different skill levels, which was, was really, uh, that's a big deal for those of us that are trying new things because, you know, I mean, yoga, you see these images of people that can do these incredible things. And I think to myself, I can't do that, you know, but with your class, I found like, you know what, this is, this is okay. There was, there was really a, 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 an encouraging, nurturing environment in your class. And I really dug that. I highly suggest it to everybody, but you know, with COVID-19, I mean, I, I, I can hear you. The virtual thing is, is really, it's just changed everything for us and the way we've had to present our information and our, our uh, I mean, myself, I mean, there's no more live gigs for musicians. It's just not going to happen for a while. And I was going through the routine of what it's going to take for me to play live and to sterilize my equipment when I go out, sterilize my equipment when I come back, you know, and then for every gig. And then, you know, I, I would imagine that's, that's a real challenge for you. But what are you finding as far as your approach to what you're doing now? What are you finding that you had to change the most about the way you're doing what you do now? Um, it's it's hard because people can't really see you. So if people are new to yoga, I have to be very clear with my verbal instruction. So that's a challenge. But the thing about yoga for me, I don't, the kind of yoga that I like, I'm not going to do headstands. I'm not going to do crazy poses. I'm not, because that's not what, that was a time when you, that was what yoga was about for me. But like my last class was really just about listening to that inside voice and feeling, feeling it you know, as addicts and alcoholics, we were the last place I ever wanted to be was in my body. I was in my head all the time. So it's like, get in your body, feel how you feel, notice, pay attention and move a way that's true and honest for you. What feels right for you, you know, and maybe it's this and maybe it's that and whatever it is, it's not wrong. There's no right way to do yoga. What, what would you say to people that, that, you know, look at the way we've changed our lives now and the things that we do. Um, I know that you probably run into people that you used to used to know you in your old life, right? I often run into people uh, just did recently at a, at a local health food store. And I, I just felt those eyes going up and down me like, dude, I, I never saw you not wearing a suit before. I never saw you not wearing, you know, Johnson and Murphy shoes. I never saw, you know, what, what, what do you say to people that see you that knew you, in your old world now? I mean, how do you, how do you greet them? Cause I was really kind of struck by, Oh my gosh, you don't know me now. Right. Well, and the funny thing was, I didn't know me then either, mm. you know? So it was like this, this person that I pretended to be back then when I meet, when I run into someone, I feel very disconnected from it. You know, it's like a different, and I'm not disowning the person that I used to be. Right. I mean, my addict served me many ways until it didn't. Right. But I'm just, a yeah, I'm a different person now, but I'm happier. I feel like I'm lighter. You know, I, I can be, I feel like I shine brighter than I ever have in my entire life. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. You know, I really do. So the big question I always like to ask is, what would you tell the using Karen about the new sober Karen's life? What would you tell her? I've had conversations with my addict before. I've journaled about it, but basically it's, I know you're scared. And I, I see, I see you. And I love you. And I want you to know that if you keep doing this thing, you're going to lose everything. But there's hope for you. 
And I have to tell you, I know you think that your life is going to suck if you give up alcohol and you think that there's nothing left for you without that life. But I have to tell you that you have no idea of your potential. You have no idea what you're capable of. And the fact that you've been hiding yourself for so long, you don't need to do that anymore. And I wish I could show you what's on the other side of, of your alcoholism. I wish I could show you how beautiful it is, how beautiful your recovery can be and how beautiful you are because you're amazing. Well, I, I don't think I've ever heard a, 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 a better testimony to the people who we used to be. I thank you so much for being thank with you. me here today. You know, uh, everybody, um, thanks for hanging with us for this edition of Recovery Talks, uh, the podcast. Uh, stay tuned to Rock and Recovery for more episodes with more guests as they share their journey from the darkness to light. And until then, everybody, and thank you again, Karen, stay standing, stay sober, and steady on.